Hey guys, welcome back to the Gentle Way podcast where we talk all things martial arts. I'm your host, Justin Guthrie. And when I say all things martial arts, I mean everything from history, training tips, martial arts styles, you name it, we will probably end up talking about it. So sit back and enjoy. In today's episode, I am talking about sport fighting, sport karate mostly, uh, a couple of other small detail things about uniforms, what styles used, what uniforms, and, and the significance of the colors. Uh, in other news, I will share, I was down in uh, Arkansas this past week. And, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me that Whataburger is amazing, and I decided, you know what, I'll go ahead and try it while I was in Arkansas, because there's one on literally every corner there. It's the it's the McDonald's of Arkansas, I think. It's just everywhere. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was disappointed. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't anything special. And I know some of you might not be too happy with me saying that if you're a big Whataburger fan. But for those that for those of you that have never had Whataburger, if you've ever had a Sonic cheeseburger, it literally tastes exactly the same. And to back me up on that, a friend of mine who I told this to agreed. He's a big fan of Whataburger, but he did agree. He goes, yeah, it pretty much tastes like Sonic. And to me, it tasted identical. So therefore, nothing special. You're not missing out on much of anything because, quite frankly, Sonic, I'm not a huge fan of. Therefore, I'm not a huge fan of Whataburger. The only thing from Whataburger that we liked was they had a dipping sauce that was a jalapeno ranch. And it was really pretty good. We dipped our fries in it. And we really, we really liked that. But anyways, on with the show. Hey, so let me just start by saying I think we've got some great stuff today. Ought to be a fun episode. Uh, You know, there are some interesting things happening in the sport karate world. Apparently, and this is fairly new, apparently they have moved into the realm of pay-per-view fights for sport karate, like the point fighting. Um, I haven't looked into it enough to see if this is like point break or if it's more like they're doing a 10-point must and everyone's, um, when they fight, it's full on, but they're wearing the, you know, the flashy, kind of uh, shimmery, silky-looking sport uh, karate uniform and the normal, like, go-to-any-open-tournament gear. <clears throat> but no, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I, I saw this update the other day in a Facebook group I'm in that they're they've got some pay-per-view fights coming up, and I'm not sure how they put that together, but I mean it's come a long way. It's not just the normal uh you know go to your local tournament, everybody wins a championship, therefore everyone's a regional champion. This is actual pay-per-view fights, and, you know, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. I'm not a huge fan of the point fighting stuff, but 
At the same time, I can't bash it a whole lot because I am a NASCA judge. And, you know, I, I think it's great for kids. I'll put it like that. I think it's great for the, for the young kids and teenagers. Whenever you get into the adult range, it does get way more competitive, but it's, it's very different than any other sport fighting uh, system. The rules are different. The game is played differently. Uh, it's not for everybody. And um, not to bash it completely, of course, I normally will refer to this as you're playing a little bit harder version of a game of tag. And I know a lot of sport fighters get all offended by that because people do get concussions. They do get knocked out. Um, but a lot of times the reason we say it's a game of tag is because you tap them and you run away. And that's not how a fight works. Okay, If you've ever watched boxing, they're not going to be running away from the opponent unless you're Floyd Mayweather against Manny Pacquiao. Still kind of upset about that myself, because I'm not going to lie, I kind of wanted Manny, Manny Pacquiao to win, and if you watch the fight, it's not a bad fight, but I was disappointed in the fight. Not because Manny didn't win, but because it did seem like Floyd Mayweather was kind of running away. Anyways, I digress. Okay, I've got it pulled up here. So, in an article from Black Belt Magazine... Jesse Ray promoting pay-per-view point-fighting events. Point-fighting has historically been a tournament-based sport in which fighting, sorry, which fighters strive for success by defeating multiple opponents in a bracket. There have been a few isolated incidents of invitational fights for the ESPN2 broadcast of the ISKA US Open Night of Champions and exhibition fights at other tournaments, but a pay-per-view style event similar to boxing or UFC promotions has never been organized for point fighting. Jesse Ray, the coach of Team Next Level, is looking to change that with his virtual fight tour pay-per-view promotion on Saturday, August 15th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So this has already happened. Um, regarding the rules... Each fight will have three two-minute rounds. With a one-minute break between rounds, one point will be awarded for kicks to the body, two points for a kick to the head or a jump spin kick to the body, and three points for a jump spin kick to the head. All hand techniques will be awarded one point. The scoring format is expected to generate exciting fights in which a single technique can swing the, the momentum. Uh... So yeah, you know, pretty cool. It's not what you might expect, or maybe exactly what you expect. Um, I have not watched it, I did not watch it, but I saw something about it and wanted to look into it and thought, you know, I'd pull it up real quick. So yeah, that's kind of the the new thing, is pay-per-view uh, pay fights for sport karate. And it is point fighting, they are separating between each point from what I understand. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's different, but I think it's kind of cool. It does add a certain level of excitement to it to have specific fighters. Um, it does go through a list in this article of who would be fighting who from what teams. And so this first one was supposed to have four fights. 
and I may have to look back and watch those at some point. We'll see how this goes. It might take off and become a really big thing. And, you know, it's kind of cool because I think it does present a new opportunity for sport fighters to be able to get their name out there. Um, but keep in mind, again, this is sport. That's all it is. It's sport. Taekwondo is an Olympic sport, so why can't karate point fighting be a pay-per-view sport? You know, I mean, it's not a bad idea. In other news, a friend of mine recently was asking, uh, he's also a student of mine, but he was asking me about the different color uniforms that different styles use and what's the difference in uniforms. Um, he's a new student, and uh, so I was able to answer some of those questions. And just just because it's kind of a fun topic, I thought I'd talk about it on here. So there are different style of uniforms, and they all are designed for specific purposes. Uh, one thing we talked about were that Taekwondo uniforms are usually a very thin material because it's a striking art, and there's not really, they don't do really any judo per se or grappling or anything that's going to really be tugging on that material. So they use a very lightweight material that's very flexible and easy to move in. Karate tends to use a little bit of a thicker uniform, but it's still just that brushed cotton. Then you have uniforms like what you find in judo and uh, BJJ, which are that, you know, anywhere from single to double to triple thread, even uniforms, and they're that real rough, thick material. Um, and there's a difference in those two. A couple of, of the differences are that one, the jiu-jitsu uniforms, the pants and the sleeves are much tighter. Um, they don't, they don't just hang off your, the sleeves don't just hang off your arms, the pants don't just kind of hang, uh, they're not real wide like the judo pants are. There's less material to grab onto and get a good grip on, and because of that, uh, you know, they're, they're designed for the sport of jiu-jitsu. That's what they're designed for. The judo uniforms have more material to grab onto because that's part of what you're going to be doing in that sport is you're grabbing that material so that you can get a good grip so that you can throw the person. Jiu-Jitsu uses those uh, uniforms that have the tighter sleeves so they're easier to get a hold of and you can't rely quite as heavily on that, but you're still going to be doing a lot of grabbing of that uniform. Um, also, my brother-in-law had gotten a new jiu-jitsu uniform he he's a i believe he's a purple belt now in brazilian jiu-jitsu uh he's in australia but he had gotten a new uniform and it is super light it's still that kind of rough material but it's super lightweight compared to what you normally expect with a jiu-jitsu uniform uh, the inside of it is really soft it's a super lightweight material but it still functions really well. <clears throat> you know, it's just such a such a nice uniform. I'm kind of jealous. I kind of want one of those. BJJ uniform. Um, it is a Ronin brand. It's a really good brand of uniform. I will say my biggest complaint with jiu-jitsu uniforms are the sizes are kind of weird. And I 
don't like the pants. I just, I'm not a big fan of the jiu-jitsu pants. My brother-in-law swears by them that they're the most comfortable thing, and I'm like, have you ever worn karate pants or judo pants? Because they're way more comfortable. You have way more room in those. The jiu-jitsu pants kind of kind of hug you, if you know what I mean, and it's it's pretty uncomfortable. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of extra material in uh, the the uh, I guess groin area. Like it's it's really a pretty tight material, and it kind of hugs right up in there. But one of the questions my friend had was why the different colored uniforms. You know, does that mean anything? Can you wear whatever uniform you want? And I basically said, you know, it depends on the school, but some schools do have a reason for the color of uniform they're using. Um, they do uh, sometimes have specific uniforms set aside for specific ranks. And also, you look at the colors of the uniforms... Some schools don't care. I've been to jiu-jitsu schools that don't really care what color of uniform you wear. Um, some of them don't even really care if you're wearing a jiu-jitsu uniform. They just want you to show up and grapple, you know, and learn learn how to do some jiu-jitsu. They don't really care a whole lot. And then I've been to some that are very specific. You have to wear this color uniform. It has to be this brand, etc. Um, all that being said, though, if you look into... Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, and Aiki Jiu-Jitsu, it's pretty common to see the blue uniform. Okay, that blue, it's used pretty common in Judo and Jiu-Jitsu, especially I see it sometimes in Aiki Jiu-Jitsu arts. And I know that in Aiki Jiu-Jitsu, a lot of times the reason they'll use a blue uniform is because the principle, their primary principle is to be like water. And they wear the blue uniform to remind themselves to be like water. And I imagine because uh, Aiki Jiu-Jitsu and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Judo all kind of have this uh, concept of being gentle, being flexible, being able to rely on technique over strength, which a lot of times is it's kind of a, a modern or a, a simplified understanding and a very clear understanding of, you know, what it is to be like water is you're not going to rely on your strength. You're going to rely on the technique. And so they use that blue uniform to remind them. With that being said, again, a lot of times they just don't care. But then you also have, you know, what about red uniforms or, or black uniforms versus just wearing white uniforms, especially in like Taekwondo or karate. And even then it depends. A lot of schools, I've noticed um, both Taekwondo and Kempo schools, so they a lot of them seem to have their students all wear black uniforms. Nothing wrong with that. In other styles, a black uniform is reserved for black belts only. And so all the students wear white uniforms. There's also schools where the uniform is you're wearing black pants with white tops. That's what a lot of our black belts wear, are the black pants with the white top. <clears throat> and, you know, it's one of, the, one of the things that I think is most important with the uniform is that you're wearing the right uniform for the right occasion. If we're having a class where we are doing judo all class, I'm going to wear my judo top. If we have a class where we are doing karate all class, I'm going to wear my 
karate top. If I am at a seminar where I'm going to be teaching Hapkido, I will wear my um, kind of more the ceremonial Hapkido uniform, which is the black with the white diamonds. Um, and then whenever you look at, for example, the black with the red diamonds, that's usually reserved for the head instructor. And I believe in Shinzap Kido, that's going to be kind of your fifth degree black belt and above. Uh, can get away with wearing the red diamond, but your first degree black belt isn't typically supposed to wear that one because that's considered the head instructor uniform. And it's also partially based on rank. And it's 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 not like you're you're gonna get in a huge amount of trouble for wearing wearing a uniform if it doesn't fit your rank. Of course, it does, again, depend on the instructor. It depends on the school. But what it comes down to most of the time is it's a respect thing. You know, you're not going to go into a new school uh, with your black belt on, even if you have a black belt. If there is... Okay, I have a, I have a black belt in Shinsei Aikido and in Shotokan Karate and in Taekwondo. If I walk into a jiu-jitsu school, I walk in with a white belt on. One, because I'm not that dumb. I'm not going to walk in with my black belt on because I'm not a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm a white belt. <clears throat> Two, it's really kind of... You're going to come off as conceited, as prideful, and and disrespectful um, to walk in to another school wearing a rank that you are not ranked as in their school unless you are invited to be an instructor, in which case you're probably expected to wear your black belt. You know, but if you're going into train and you're not ranked in their system, don't wear your black belt. It's just disrespectful. And it's kind of silly to feel the need to wear your black belt. Now, I will usually let people know that I have training because they usually catch on pretty quick anyways. Um couple of jiu-jitsu classes I've been to, you know, I've had, I've grappled with people and after the match is over there, they'll ask me, okay, so what have you trained in? <laughs> because they can tell I, I at least kind of know what I'm doing and I'll let them know, well, I train in, you know, Shinsei Keto, and part of that curriculum is judo. And so I've got some understanding I've got some basic understanding of ground techniques and of, of takedowns and that kind of thing. And every single time after I tell them that, they're like, ah, that makes sense. All right. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's not something I, I don't want to go in and brag because, quite frankly, I'm not going to, uh, I'll put it like this, it'll, I will make a fool of myself if I walk into a, ju a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school with my black belt on and try and join the class with my black belt on. Chances are, a lot of times, the head instructor will be fine with it. He's like, whatever, sure, join the class. But because you've walked in with a chip on your shoulder, they're going to kind of treat you that way most of the time, and... They see you as you're coming in and challenging them. And because I don't know a ton about grappling, if I get on the mat with anyone that is purple, purple belt and above, 
I get absolutely destroyed. White belts and blue belts I can compete with all day. At least in the ones I've been to. But purple belt and above, I just absolutely get destroyed. It's uncomfortable. I'm hurting the whole time. You know, and, and I have a lot of respect for him. Anyways, once again, <clears throat> be careful not to wear the wrong uniform. Be careful not to wear the wrong rank to the wrong school. If you're invited, it's probably expected for you to wear your black belt. If you're not, be respectful. Uh, even whenever I was going up to test for my black belt in Shotokan, I already had my black belt in Hapkido, and I asked the instructor there, I said, would you like me to put on a white belt? And he said, no, no, wear, wear your black belt proudly. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not officially ranked in Shotokan, so I have no problem wearing a white belt to your, to your school. And he insisted that I wear my black belt, which is fine. Okay, you can go about it that way. But don't show up expecting to be allowed to wear your black belt in a system that you are not ranked in. Now, if you have permission, that's fine. And some styles do put a significance to each of their belt colors. I know when I was doing Taekwondo, um, there was some um, uh, meaning behind each belt color. So white represented that kind of purity, starting fresh, starting something new, having this clean slate. Uh, and from there, yellow represented the rising sun. Orange represented the setting sun. Green, I believe, represented growth. Uh, I think blue probably represented water. And you can kind of go down the, the list of ranks, and each one, you know, had a um, kind of philosophical idea behind it, which, you know, that's fine to do that. I thought it was kind of weird, but I also didn't really care about it that much. But you have other styles, like jujitsu that uses much fewer belt ranks. Uh, in jiu-jitsu, typically, you're going to go from white to blue to purple to brown to black. So you've got five official ranks. But unlike other systems, even though they have less belt colors, each stripe is very significant in jiu-jitsu. So each stripe you get on your belt uh, shows how long you've been in that rank. It shows how much knowledge you should have at that point, um, which other, other systems do do stripes, but they're not nearly as significant as they are in jiu-jitsu. So in a lot of ways, each stripe on the belt is kind of your next belt rank. You know, I've, I've met a lot of jiu-jitsu guys that they're very proud of that next stripe they get. And I can understand that because they have less belt rank, so it gives them something to be proud of. You know, they might be they might be a white belt for a couple of years before they hit blue belt, and at that point, each stripe they get leading up to that feels like they've been promoted. And they do put a lot more significance on that. Um, but you look at a system like judo, Judo for adults, traditionally, from what I understand, only has three belt ranks. You go from white to brown to black. 
if you are under 18, that's where you get all the other colors. If you're under 18, then it goes from it goes white, yellow, orange, green, blue, purple, brown, black. And I think there's I think there's at least two or three levels of brown belt before you hit black belt. And you know, that's really for anyone under 18. It's for the kids. It's to keep them interested, to give them a sense of accomplishment. For adults, you don't need that many belt ranks. And that's one of the reasons I kind of like judo in, in their ranking system is it's just white, brown, black. And yeah, it's still going to take you several years to get to black belt. But they're not going to be charging you a hundred dollars to test every six months on top of your monthly fees. Um, so, you know, there's, there's definitely some interesting concepts, some interesting, uh, different ideas between different systems. I'm not a big fan of a ton of belt ranks in a system. I don't think there's anything wrong with using a different system for kids because it does give them more of a sense of accomplishment and it's a little bit easier uh, for them to reach the next goal. I understand that. It's going to help uh, boost their confidence. But with adults, not that adults don't need boosted confidence, but I've had a lot of adults come to, come to our classes that have really no interest in the belt colors. You know, and they're... They say, hey, I just want to train. I don't really want to go through every little belt rank and, and necessarily do every little thing in order to progress. I want to, I want to, learn, uh, I want to learn good self-defense. I could care less about the ranking system. We had a guy one time come to class, and I don't remember. This was a while back. But he was terrified of getting any official rank because he thought that getting an official rank in martial arts would be documented by the government, and he did not want the government to know that he was training. He was an interesting guy. He did not stick around very long. He came to class for a little while. We, I mean, we never did rank him. But I think he came to class for less than two months. Uh, and you know, we get people like that from time to time. And sometimes you just kind of wonder what their, what their deal is, but you know, can't do much about that. So back onto the sport karate topic, you know, I did compete whenever I was younger. I have, uh, probably somewhere around, 10, 15 trophies for martial arts tournaments. Um, I always did really well in kata. Uh, I placed first place in kata, I think, in almost every tournament I was in except one. I took second place. My time in sport karate, competing in tournaments and sparring, as a judge now... I struggle sometimes because I remember as a competitor what it feels like. You know you hit someone and the judges don't call it. 
And I also know what it feels like as a competitor when you know you hit someone, they didn't hit you, and the judge gives the other person a point for some reason. And it's extremely frustrating. Uh, you know, I don't know what the deal always is. I think that judging has actually gotten a little better since I was competing. Not because I'm doing it now, but because I think the rules are a little more clear now than they were then. Uh, for both competitors and for judges, they try to make sure all the judges, judges are trained they all are calling the same type of points. Uh, they do leave certain things up to you. They say, you know, this kind of judge's discretion. But a lot of times what you're looking at is going to be things that are judge's discretion is, you know, was this person fully out of bounds whenever they would have gotten that point or were they still technically in bounds? You know, where was their foot on that line? That type of thing. So whenever I was competing, there was a time, one time in particular, where by the end of the match we were tied. I don't remember the score, but our points were tied, and so they do one more quick round. First point wins. And the kid I was sparring, whenever they said go, he came at me with this like side thrusting kick, and I reached out and actually caught it with my hands. And I threw up a hook kick around his leg, kind of over the top of his leg, and then did a roundhouse kick to his chest. Clearly, my point. Clearly. The kid didn't get close with his foot. I stopped it probably about a foot, at least 12 inches away from my body. Um, caught his kick, was able to kick him where I should have gotten a point. All the judges called for the, the other kid, and my dad filmed this thing. And you can see on the film, I look around at all the judges, and I kind of throw my arms up. I'm like, how? How, how did he get that point? He didn't even touch me. You know, and so I'm, I'm familiar with stuff like that happening, and it can be very frustrating. Um, there was another time where I was sparring someone, and I'm not going to lie, I, I had hit him kind of hard. He he got knocked a little dizzy by one of my punches. And I got yelled at by the judges for excessive force, which, you know, it can happen in the heat of the moment. But the rest of the match, the judges kept giving this other kid points for stuff he wasn't even touching me with. And I could hit him, and he his body would fold from where I hit him. And by the end of the match, he had more points than me. And whenever he shook my hand, he, he came in close, gave me a hug, and he said, you won that match. And I was like, you know, that that actually made made my day, even though I didn't win the match in points, according to the judges. The person I was fighting knew that he, had, he did not win. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's always good to... It's always a better experience when the person you you were fighting can be humble enough, honest enough to tell you that. Now, granted, he still walked away with the trophy on that one, <laughs> but um, you know it it made the tournament a little more bearable. 
But I've had a lot of weird experiences with sparring in tournaments where it just seems like the judges are blind. And I've even been in tournaments where now I've judged and I've seen, you know, you you have three judges calling points and two of them have to be in agreement for a point to be called. And I've had times where I've seen the judges agree on a point that I didn't see happen. I don't know what they thought they saw. And sometimes they'll even tell me what they saw. And I'm like, that's not what happened. But, you know, it's we don't argue about it. We have to keep the match going. So it's not perfect. It's not a perfect system. It's harder to call. Um, you know, you have to be really fast with your calls. You cannot hesitate if you're calling points. If you hesitate, it looks like you're picking favorites and people are going to accuse you of picking favorites. So you, as soon as they say judges call, you have to throw up whichever side you think got the point. If for some reason you got distracted for a split second and glanced just off in the distance and looked back and you missed something and they call point break and judges say judges call, you got to either be honest and say I didn't see anything or call a point. I'm honest. I say I didn't see anything. And sometimes people look at me weird when they're like, how did you not see that? But I'm not going to call a point I didn't see. And I'm not going to lie, I do get acted during fights every once in a while, you know, with other stuff, because there's a lot of stuff going on around. Uh, we're not supposed to let parents step into the ring or be even really that close to the ring. And so sometimes I'm glancing up because I see someone right there on the edge and I'm kind of like, uh, don't don't come in here. So, you know, it it's a different sport. Like I said before, it's a different sport. I did not always have a great experience when it came to sparring. Um, there was one tournament I had to spar my brother, and he actually uh, kicked me with a roundhouse kick in the jaw. And after the match was over, I had pulled off the helmet, pulled my mouth guard out, and I couldn't close my jaw. He had jammed it. And it took me about, I don't know, maybe a month. It was a few weeks at least before I could close my mouth all the way. And it was awful because after the tournament, we stopped at a McDonald's drive through And uh, I think I got a Big Mac or something and I bit into it and I couldn't bite down all the way. So I had to kind of like tear it and kind of use my tongue to help chop, chop the food up in my mouth so I could actually swallow it. And it was really uncomfortable. Never did get that checked out. Um, I've never gotten a lot of things checked out. I'm pretty sure I've had a spiral fracture in my right wrist. Uh, pretty, I've dislocated my shoulder a couple of times. Uh, the only one that I've, I actually had to get checked out was the one that I very clear, clearly dislocated my knee doing some judo stuff. It popped way out of place. It popped and cracked twice out and twice back in, went and got that checked out, ended up having to have surgery. Um, I highly recommend never dislocating your knee. It's awful. It does not feel good. <laughs> I know that sounds funny to say, but I'm just saying be careful. Uh, always watch your footing. Always watch where you're stepping because that's basically what happened is my foot got caught in the mat at a weird angle, I twisted, and my knee went out of place because my foot was stuck. Alright guys, that's it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know what you thought. 
Until next time, os and God bless. Thanks.